0: Hello, everybody, Uh, thanks for tuning in uh, to this Wednesday Bible class, this uh, CMI School of Christ class. Before I get into the actual session, let me just remind everybody of the upcoming uh, June Bible conference, be here before you know it, and as I said, we'll be getting some information out to you very soon about um, places to stay nothing really has changed Uh, if you've come here before and had that information nothing's really changed as far as the places that are available uh, to stay again we have rooms uh, up top um, some bedrooms I think one or two are already taken but um, we may have one or two that's still available if you want to reach out to us we'll let you know but the actual dates of the conference is the, the dates are June the 21st through the 25th. It will, uh, the sessions will actually begin on the morning of the 22nd, which is a Tuesday morning, but we will have a, usually we have a get together on Monday night just to kind of let everybody settle. And we'll have a time of just, uh, getting together and and eating and fellowship and things like that so uh, if you can make it this year and have the time to be able to do that uh, we would love to see as many of you as can make it so if you have any questions right now please give us a call my uh, phone numbers uh well email us that'd be best put it out uh ravenbird at gmail.com that's a -A r-a-b-o-n B-Y-R-D at gmail.com. You can also send to the research center, C-M-I-B-R-C at yahoo.com. So please, if you have any questions about the conference or about where to stay uh, before we get that information to you via email, just uh, contact us and we'll get get that information to you. So uh, tonight, what I want to do is we're still in a little... Detour in Matthew chapter five. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and uh, I've been I've been dealing with this some time in different places or different uh, not places but different uh, sessions with different groups because I think it's vitally important to understand this sermon. Um, basically being the introduction of Christ to the people and him introducing the purpose of his coming and exposing a condition of man that makes it necessary for them to receive the promises fulfilled in the person of their Messiah, which is the setting Uh, of this sermon is is basically the perfect setting that's displaying that as the um, what what I said at the beginning of this was that many call that mountain he was on the new covenant Sinai which is the place of the law but what he's doing is coming as the fulfillment of the law he says later in Matthew 5 I come not to destroy or uh, do away with the law and the prophets but to fulfill them and he is bringing to them something that no external form of righteousness could do, he is bringing to them a righteousness that is defined by the nature of the spirit, the nature of Christ, and not the nature of men, not the deeds of men. This is a righteousness that most people um, do not understand. This is one they're not familiar with because the righteousness that Christianity teaches us is a righteousness that has external demonstration. But the kingdom, which is righteousness, peace and joy, uh, the kingdom of God comes not with natural outward, external ocular evidence is what the Greek says, ocular. Evidence meaning it is not something you can see with your eyes and understand with your mind. It's, it's a reality of spirit. It's a reality of truth. It is a righteousness that far exceeds the, the deeds of men, no matter how perfectly they may, may seem perfect. They may seem and how perfectly they may be um, performed spirit and truth is the reality of the kingdom of God, the messianic kingdom, the promises realized, they are realized in the, in the realm that the, that the Christ of God is here sitting and inviting them to partake of those who are poor in spirit. Those who are mourning um, for the reality of the kingdom to be uh, fulfilled and realized. Mo- those mourning in Zion that he come to, to, to bring comfort to those who mourn. That he is coming to those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness so that he may be the filling up of their soul and the sustenance that they were um, forfeited under the old covenant. That they were longing for the bread from heaven, the true bread, the bread that was testified of by the manna and other places. He come as the true bread, the bread that if you eat that bread, you will not die as the fathers did eat the testimonial, the the bread that testified of him as the true bread from heaven. And he says that if you partake of him, and this is why it cannot be that he is speaking to believers and saying, now you must be in a constant state of hungering and thirsting because he says that he, that eats me, he, that, comes to me and partakes of me as the living bread, he shall never hunger and he shall never thirst again because I will satiate his soul with that, which is good with the fat things and the good things, the things of substance and spiritual abundance. That's what he came to do. That's his coming. And that is what it, that's the setting in which we are finding ourselves now in Matthew chapter five. One who has come to present to them a righteousness that is absolutely fulfilled, not in deeds, but in spirit and in person. An internal righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's who he is. And he's inviting them who would come in the posture, knowing their need, knowing that their righteousness is not righteousness, knowing that their law observation is not sufficient, as Paul did in Romans 7, those who are crying out to finally have the nourishment that their soul was created for, that they would come to him. He would bring to them the blessedness of the kingdom of God. He would give them the land of promise, the true land. I know in the King James, it says they shall inherit the earth, but the word there reaches back to the old covenant and speaks of the land that he had promised them flowing with milk and honey, land of of abundance where we will live in how uh, the houses that we did not build, vineyards we did not plant. We would drink of the wine of the vineyard that we did not work and labor for. That's the beauty of this. It's a work done of God and not of us. And it is a perfect blessedness that he is offering, blessed with every spiritual blessing, as Paul would say, as those accepted in the beloved. And this, again, is what we are seeing in these particular verses. Today, we're going to go to verse 10 of Matthew 5 and verse 11 and read these and, and, and look at these for a little while. This, this may go by fast or it may go by slow. We'll just see. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake now before uh two begin let me read something here i think kind of helps us clarify things Then we're going to look at what is being said here. It seems a little odd that we would have persecution and blessedness in the same picture. But we have to understand the the blessedness of the kingdom that he is offering to them. And he's speaking to those who will receive this. And due to the fact that they are going to receive him as the Messiah, the blessedness of the kingdom that he is ushering in. And all of the blessings and all of the riches and all of the fulfilled promises that that kingdom brings with it, there is a persecution involved. There is a revilement of men, particular men. There is an evil being spoken against those who would become partakers of this kingdom, become partakers of the blessing that's offered here. And there's a reason for that, and we're going to look at it. But before we uh, get too far into it, I want to read a commentary. And this is from uh, Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary of the Bible. In this section, they say, uh, on these precious Beatitudes, observe that though eight in number, there are but seven distinct features of character, which we went through already uh, in previous lessons. The eighth one, the persecuted for righteousness sake and the persecution he's addressing here uh, is merely the possessors of the seven preceding features, meaning it is those who have come to the blessed and is promised in all of these other seven. If you are the are one who mourns in Zion, you are the hungry and the thirsty and you are the poor in spirit and you come and you receive, um, then this persecution is due to that you have, you have uh, received the blessedness promised in the Messiah. You've received, and and basically here's what we're seeing: you have come to receive what God promised to the nation of Israel in its fulfillment, in its eternal spiritual conclusion. And because of that very thing, you will be persecuted. That's why there is. This persecution. That's why you shall be reviled of men. Uh doesn't sound right, right? Just because why? Did they hate, do they hate Christians? No. No, that's that's not particularly why. But there is a hatred there, and there is a, a persecution that comes with that. So let's let's read on. Uh, according instead of a distinct promise to this class, we have merely a repetition of the first promise. This has been noticed by several critics who by the sevenfold character set forth and have rightly observed that this speaks basically the previous seven that we've covered speaks of a perfect blessedness intended. Meaning all of those who come and receive him receive a perfect state of blessedness uh, in the kingdom and the receiving of the inheritance of the land. Um observe again that the language in which these beatitudes are couched is purposely fetched from the Old Testament. To show, here's the important part, and this is part of the reason for the persecution. To show it is fetched from the Old Testament to show that the new kingdom, the kingdom of God that is being ushered in by Christ, is but the old in a new form. What is that form? Spirit. It's not new because it's something different. It comes in a new form. It's just like the spirit says, he will come again and, and dwell in you. That the same Christ who is with you shall come again and be in you. And there's the word that means in the same the same substance, just in a different form. What is that form? Spirit, not flesh. Not a natural body, but spirit. He will come in a different form. This one is now ushering in a kingdom that comes in a different form. Like we said previously, it's a kingdom that does not come with outward, ocular evidence. It's a kingdom that Jesus says, very plainly, will be in you. A kingdom that is in you. It's not a kingdom that is looked at here and there and there it is and here it is. It's not a kingdom that men can look at and observe and say there's the kingdom. It is a kingdom that is internally wrought by the spirit of him who dwells in us. It is his kingdom, his rule. So this is what he's doing. He is he is basically showing them the essence of real religion that what the essence of the law was all about. It was never about deeds. And these, again, he goes further on and says that. You've heard it said, not commit adultery. I say you look upon a woman in lust, you've done it already in your heart. He's speaking here of the true essence of the real religion. And what the law all along was intending, and it was intending his coming to dwell in those who were mourning, those who were poor in spirit, those who were hungering and thirsting, and provide into their souls, we could go back to Romans 8 and say it this way, a righteousness fulfilled within them. Or you could say the blessedness of the kingdom or the blessedness of the land of inheritance or all of the things that he promises here. It's the same thing being being dealt with. He's showing them in the receiving of this one who is inviting them to come and receive the blessedness of the messianic kingdom, that they would receive the true spiritual essence of all that the law stood for and declared in testimony and truth. Or the truth of what it stood for in testimony, meaning when Jesus comes and speaks of the truth, and we talked about this in the podcast and different things, knowing the truth, one of the beautiful things is the word truth. The word truth, when Jesus says, I am the truth, the word truth there means the essential essence that stands as the basis of something. Meaning the truth is that that unseen substance that stands as the essence and the the originating uh, reality out from which something proceeds saying the law, the testimony, the, the types and the figures, they had a truth as their basis. They had a truth as their originating object, they could not exist without a truth being the reason they exist. They had an underlying essence behind their existence, which was the very eternal substance. And they merely being created was just a outline, a rough sketch and a testimonial picture of the true essence that stood behind their, Existence as the real meaning of their existence, the real definition of their intention, the real amen to their testimony. That's the truth. So when Jesus says, I am come as the truth, I am the truth, he is saying, I am the essential, eternal, spiritual substance that stood as the basis for all of these testimonial things to exist. But I am come now to fill them to their fullness, to rid their external existence of necessity, because now their spiritual intent, the thing that gave them their temporary need of existence, is come. Therefore, their need of existence is no longer See what I'm saying? It's the same thing as Romans says in in Romans chapter 11, that by faith we know that by faith the worlds were framed, so that the things that are seen were not made by other things that are seen, but by things that are unseen, meaning, again, These external things of the world, and there he's talking about the age of testimony, the world, the age of the old covenant, and all of the things that he's referring to in the very letter of Hebrews. The, 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 uh, you know, the Moses and the tabernacle and the offerings and the priesthood, all of those things that could be observed and participated in naturally had an unseen reality as their basis. They were created and made out from an unseen source, but the unseen source is the real thing. It is the real thing. That's why he says, he went into the true, not the, not the testimony. He went into the heaven itself, the true thing, the real thing, the unseen thing that that stood as a testimony of. So we're seeing the same thing here. This is what Jesus is offering to them, to come to the real thing, to come to that eternal thing that stood, the eternal substance and person that stood as the real originating source substance out from which all of the other proceeds so I hope I hope that made sense so why are they persecuting these people well that has everything to do with it Um, they are taking They are offering, God's offering to them. And and in in this, he is implying that they are receiving and taking a hold of in a faith, uh, by faith, the spiritual reality that, that is still foreign to and contrary to those who are desiring to still hold on to the previous form of things. Therefore, because they are holding, they are now receiving and glorying in by faith, a reality that is unseen yet greater and more substantial than the seen things. They are being persecuted. That happened throughout. It's the same. It's a, uh, uh, same thing Paul says to Agrippa, right? The King Agrippa. I am charged. I'm reviled. I'm hated by these Jews who have brought me before you to be charged guilty because I'm declaring to them the end of their religious obligations. I am declaring to them that all of their efforts in the temple is now of no necessity Because the resurrection himself has come. The living one, the the intention of God in all of their efforts has now come. So their efforts are now nullified and they can partake of the hope that they have in the doing of all of those efforts. They can come and partake by faith of what no effort in that temple has ever been able to procure for them. That's why they hate me because they want to hold on to the form because that form seemed to be without a substance. They could step in and be the substance of those forms. They could take those forms, apply those forms, and have righteousness through those forms, and, and people could see it, and they could look at them and see how wonderful they were and how righteous they were. And mo- and unfortunately, that's where most Christians still live today. They want men to see their good works, men to see their righteousness, men to see their external Holinesses and glory in them. And these people are being reviled, persecuted, just like Paul is saying, and charged guilty and talked evil against falsely because they dare to lay a hold of by faith what they desire to work for by law. So Galatians chapter four, Paul delves into this very same thing, talking to the Galatians, he says in verse 28 of chapter four. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise, meaning we've partaken of the seed of God. We have partaken of him. Go back to chapter three and you'll see that. Those who are born of that seed, those who are in Christ, they are Abraham's seed. But as Isaac was, we are children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh, the external, persecuted him that was born after the spirit. And so it is now. Persecution of those who are after the spirit, born after the spirit, who have come to a spiritual birth and therefore in that spiritual birth partake of all spiritual blessings. The blessedness promised here. We are now persecuted by those who are after the flesh, who those who want an external form so that they can glory in the righteousness that they believe it acquires for them. These are those that Jesus is talking to. He knows these who believe in him and receive the blessedness of the kingdom that receive the land of inheritance that is a spiritual inheritance and a spiritual kingdom and all of the blessedness of the spirit They will be persecuted because they are saying, we have what you still are waiting on. We possess by faith what you are trying to attain by works, Romans 9, so that those who did not seek it by law have received the thing that those who sought it by law have not yet received. That's an indictment of those who would not come by faith to the very thing offered here. Revelation chapter 12 speaks of this same thing. I know what we've done uh, with Revelation. We've made it a, a eschatological letter that speaks of future things, even future things now. No, no, no telling when it may or may not happen. I'm telling you it speaks of this very thing. And it speaks of this very persecution. And it speaks of this very time. Maybe a few years distance, but the same thing happening revelation chapter 12 13 when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth he persecuted the woman who brought forth the man child this is the same as we read in galatians 4 they saw that they were cast into the earth they persecuted the woman which is the jewish persecution of the church those that are of the flesh are in the earth persecuting that which is born after the spirit which is the church and they were given the church given wings to take their flight in the wilderness. What's about to happen during this time is the fulfillment of this we can't I don't want to spiritualize this because this does speak of an actual moment in time where they had to flee they had to go they had to actually take flight into the wilderness but they were being persecuted by that which is after the flesh, but they came a moment in time in 70 AD, where that which was the persecutor of the fleshly persecutor was wiped off the earth because they rejected the spiritual kingdom and God Jesus told them, there is coming a moment in time where there will not be one stone left upon another. And in Matthew 24, he goes on to say to those, who are hearing to those who will believe. In Matthew 24, verse 20, he says, Pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. This is not about the rapture. Pray Pray that your flight be not in winter nor on the Sabbath day. For there shall be great tribulation, so as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Now, if you read Josephus, you'll see he called this the time of great tribulation. Uh, I know we want to push this off and make it the tribulation that's still coming. But what he's talking about here is the destruction of the edifices of Jerusalem as a city in, in 70 AD by... Titus and, and the armies, uh, that's what this is addressing, and Jesus is basically setting them up for this time. Read the read read the commentary of Adam Clark of Matthew twenty four. Beautiful the way he says, it. just that part though. There's not not everything else he says is great, but he's speaking here of the destruction of 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 uh, Jerusalem. This woman now that is being persecuted. takes flight into the wilderness. God gives the woman who has given birth to the man child, gives the woman wings to go and fly into the wilderness. Now, what does that mean? It's an odd picture. That's why Jesus says to them, let your flight be not in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. Why? Because when you see these armies start, gathering around Jerusalem because the destruction of it is about to come. Not one stone laid upon another, it shall be plowed up. And that's what happened. The the place of the temple, it was plowed up like a field. And there was no, nothing left of it. No remnant of its existence. So he tells them, Wisely, pray that your flight be not in the winter. Why? Because of the harshness of the winter time in the wilderness in the flight of the wilderness. Why on the Sabbath day? Because the 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 city of Jerusalem is actually locked down. You cannot get in or out on the Sabbath day. You cannot do that. You cannot travel. You cannot get out. It is locked up, tight. And if you are to escape on a Sabbath day, it would be impossible. This is what he's talking about. The warnings to those who will see the armies of Rome surrounding Jerusalem. Jesus is telling them to pray that they don't have to make the escape from the city in the winter because it would be the worst of journeys and treacherous. And the Sabbath day escape would be almost impossible due to the locking down of the city gates and the ceasing of all activities. And according to the uh, Josephus' War of the Jews, not one Christian, it took heed to this, not one Christian was lost in the siege of Jerusalem because they fled into the wilderness of Pella and other areas across the Jordan. That is what this is talking about. Not about rapture. It's about an escape from a city that is about to be destroyed because that city stands as a total renunciation of the work of the cross and the work of the lamb and will not relinquish its assumed grip and hold and right to the inheritance that belongs to those who have been bought by the blood of the lamb that was slain. That's what Revelation talks about. The the wrath of the lamb comes upon them. This is what's happening. Now, remember, it's the same thing. Why were they being persecuted? Why were they hated, reviled by the world? Because this is what uh, is happening here. Why are they reviled? Because they, by faith, are partaking of a reality that the Jews thought were theirs by natural birth. They believed they had taken the whole thing of the law, twisted it, corrupted it, made it of no effect and made the law mean nothing as to its true intent, which was a testimony of a spiritual reality that would come in Christ. And they had taken it and made it a means of righteousness. One reason, one, uh, one indicator is how they had added 600 laws to what God had given them throughout the years. So why are they being persecuted? Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, for my right, for righteousness' sake, and for my name's sake. And in, in, in Mark, I think it is, it says, or Luke, it says, for my for the Son of Man's sake. Because they have come to receive by faith the fact that justification is by faith that the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality that righteousness is not by the laws of Moses nor by their Jewish rituals but by faith in Christ and Christ alone now John chapter 7 verse 1 speaks of this Way and I want to I address this because this tells us the world that he's talking about that is going to persecute we think it's the world of 2020 John chapter 7 verse 1 and after these things Jesus was walking in Galilee and this is I'm reading this from the New Testament uh, from Kenneth Weist translation After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was not desiring in Judea to be walking because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, there was near the feast of the Jews, the feast of tabernacles. Therefore, his brethren said to him, now this is his natural brethren, not the disciples, but his natural brethren, saying to him, depart from this place and withdrawing yourself, be going away to Judea in order that... Your disciples might carefully observe your works, which you are constantly doing, for no one is in the habit of doing anything undercover, and he himself is boldly seeking publicity. Since you are constantly doing these things, make yourself known to the world. For not even were his brethren believing on him. His natural brethren did not believe here. Then Jesus says to them, my appointed time is not yet here. Well, your time is always seasonal. You can go anytime you want. The world is not able to be hating you. They don't hate you. Why? Many commentaries, I think, accurately say it's because you have the same spirit that they do. You do not believe in me. You do not see me as the Messiah. You're of the same spirit. They have no reason to persecute you because you hold to their same belief. You hold to their same ideology. Why would they? You have their same sentiments and their same interests. You, You expect another Messiah instead of me a worldly Messiah that's going to set up this kingdom so y'all can rule on earth. Unfortunately, Christians are still waiting on that too. But me, they're, they're not able to be hating you, but me, the world is hating. Listen to this because I alone, hear those words, I alone am testifying concerning it that its works are pernicious or evil or wicked. As for you, go up to the feast. As for myself, not yet am I going to this feast because my appointed time has not yet been consummated. Again, in the context, seeing that the whole thing is about consummating the feast, the festivals, the types, the shadows, he comes there. And he goes to the feast as their fulfillment. And in those things, he makes declarations showing himself to be the fulfillment, like coming to me, all you who are thirsty and thirst and hunger, and I out of your bellies, come to me, out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water, showing himself to be the fulfillment of that feast and all of the rituals that are embodied in that feast. But here's what he says, they persecute me. And this is the same persecution that he's talking to these people that they will, they will be persecuted in this way because they are receiving the kingdom that he is offering to them, which is a spiritual kingdom that does not come by law observation, but comes by faith through grace and it is spirit. And not flesh. It is a spiritual kingdom. They persecute and hate me because I am the one who is testifying according to their works, concerning their works, that their works, what are their works? The law, religious efforts, the way they have twisted the law, made it none effect because of their traditions, that all of their works are evil. I am the testimony against them. Therefore, they hate me, revile me, speak evil against me because I stand alone as the one who says your works are evil because what you have done is step beyond your God-given intent. The reason you exist is for you to be found in me. Come to me, receive the or Messiah, receive the one heir of God, in whom you would receive in bounty the fullness of the kingdom, the blessings promised, the real, the reality that the Israel has been waiting on for centuries. I condemn it. I condemn its its pride in its self-righteousness because I am declaring to them that their righteousness is filthy, that there is in me, and I am offering to those who will come and receive me as the law fulfilled, a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes, of the Pharisees, meaning of that world, because that's what they're talking about. In fact, it's in Adams Clark commentary where he says this, he says, uh, it is very likely here that by world, he actually means the Jewish people only. And I believe that to be true. Many places where he says it, it, it speaks And I would say in most places where they speak of the world, it either means the age of the old covenant or it means the arrangement and orderly arrangement of that system. (coughs) They persecuted and hated him because he was declaring a kingdom. That was spirit. And he was standing there declaring to them that their works, that they found righteousness in, (coughs) that they believed made them holy and and separate from sinners, (coughs) that was of no profit whatsoever as to the changing of the inward composition of the heart. Because it was the heart All along, that the law was actually addressing the condition of the heart and who is that holy, who is that righteous. That not only will you not commit adultery, but he can't even look to lust. Not only can he not commit murder, but he can't even be angry with his brother there is only one in whom that reality exists in whom that righteousness abounds and the the persecution comes because you have received that one by faith and you are boasting and glorying in the, in the unseen righteousness that has been conferred and imputed to your soul by faith where he has made unto you righteousness and the Jew is hating you and reviling you because they are yet working tirelessly for the very thing that you have received without the law. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus, not by the works of the law, but by the works of. For by the works of the law shall no one be justified. You see, that's why they're being persecuted for righteousness sake, because they're being persecuted for true righteousness. When these men who are persecuting them believe that there is a righteousness to be found in observation of law and religion and the works of the flesh. And they hate and revile and speak evil against. That's why they're speaking falsely. Because it is a false. It's a false persecution. A false implication against those who have received Christ as their righteousness. Because there's no law against it. Against that one. Against that perfection. No law can stand. And no man can condemn. Who is it that condemns? Paul will ask in Romans 8. Who is it? that condemns us for it is God who is justified. So the persecuted in this picture are those who dare to claim and proclaim the presence and abounding of a righteousness, not achieved, but imputed to those that merely believe upon him. who glory in the sufficiency of an unseen source called Christ in you. They glory in this, Romans 3.21, now the righteousness of God outside of the law is manifested. The righteousness of God, which is by faith. Why? That the righteousness of God, which is by faith, would come upon all that believe. Why is that necessary? Because there's no difference. Whether the Jew or the Gentile, those who are reviling you because they want a righteousness attained by law, and you who have re- who were not born, again, it's all the same. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All men must come to this thing that God is offering them, a righteousness that is of God and not of us, that is by faith and not by works, that is imputed and not produced. 1 Timothy chapter four, verses seven and eight, but refuse profane and old wives fables exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that, which is to come eternal life, basically. And he's saying, Bodily exercise, what these old fables, wives tell, the disputes and the debatings that, that you were to stay away from and refuse. They're trying to tell you to exercise yourself in the rituals of the law. Get your body into it and do it. Touch not, taste not, handle not, circumcise, whatever. But the exercising of the natural body profits nothing. The exercises in godliness which he is made unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Exercising in that is profitable in all things. So these being persecuted that he's talking about here are those who have received the true law. Received him as the fulfillment of the law. Who have come knowing that in this one, we receive all the blessings promised to us in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. We receive in him the full inheritance promise, the fullness of the bounty of the kingdom, the reign and rule of the greater than Solomon. By faith, not by effort, not by works. These are stated to be the blessing or to be the blessed because these first mentioned are those who have come to partake of the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. We're speaking of the actual substance of the blessing being received by those who are now found in their Messiah, found in the I am found in the fulfillment of the law himself first the last the alpha the omega there's persecution that comes because they are declaring righteousness by faith righteousness that is not observable to natural men but a righteousness that is imputed by God in the person of his beloved son so that's Somewhat of a clarification, I hope, of these things. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this. Thank you for your patience. If you have any questions again, let me uh, just say again, you can email me, uh, ravenbird at uh, gmail.com. I'll be glad to, you know, try to clarify anything that may, may stand out and you need clarification on. Again, remember the conference coming up. Remember the other sessions that we have here on YouTube. And um, until next time, I appreciate you listening. Amen.